Every time we read the Bible, it's not some sort of academic exercise just so I can be more intelligent. This has to be life-changing, transformative. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and you're listening to In Grace. We're thankful for you. Glad you're listening to either our radio program or our podcast today here on Monday, June 19th. And by the way, June 19th is an important day because it's the effective end of slavery date in the United States. It's the day when the federal troops arrived in Texas in 1865 to basically ensure that all the enslaved people would be freed. And so we are thankful that this nation finally did the right thing on June 19th in 1865, and we are so thankful that God created us all equal and that we uh, all should be free. We also are excited today because we are going to continue in our series called Answers, and we're going to be answering several questions today. Uh, One is, uh, how do you study the Bible? What are some tips on how to study the Bible? Another one, and by the way, that's a really good question. I'm going to give you five W's and five C's today, and those will help you understand best ways to study the Bible. And then another person asked the question, uh, when I was saved, I was reading and memorizing the the New International Version of the Bible. Uh, but I find that there's a lot of verses that are different or missing from the, the King James Version, the version that I use. So, They're asking the question about the different Bible versions, the English versions. And so we're going to talk about that today as well, and I think give you some good insight into some of the manuscript background of the English Bible. Uh, So anyways, we we have a lot to cover today, and I'm excited about that. Don't forget our Alaska cruise is still coming up in July. If you'd like to come, I'm not sure if we have room or not, but you can contact us by going to our website, ingraceradio.com, click on travel, and then click on our tour to Alaska. Our cruise in Alaska is going to be amazing, and we would love to see you on that as well. Or you can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. All right, how many of you misplace things? It's crazy, isn't it? Where did I put my glasses? Dad, they're on your face. You know, that's the worst when they're actually on your face, and that's happened to me many times. You lose your keys. Any of you ever lost your keys? No, no. Your car, your kids, <laughs> your mind. The worst is losing your mind because you don't know it. You know, that's the problem. We really don't have any answers outside of the Bible. The question is, how do we know what this says? Well, if you're not reading it, you'll never know what the answers are. And you say, well, I get enough from church. How many of you eat one meal a week? Anybody? One meal a week? You've got to be very thin unless you're eating like a, a buffet that, you know, is world class. But no, we eat every day, sometimes many times during the day. And we need that food. We need the sustenance. So how do we know the Bible? You've got to read it, right? But here's the first question, and that's why I brought that up. The first question for today is, I've been a Christian for years, but I'm still unsure on how to study the Bible. Okay, and it's a good, legitimate question. It's an honest question. Any ideas? Well, the first thing you need to recognize is that Spiritual sustenance, spiritual food, 
is more important than physical food. Okay? Look at Job 23. In verse 12, it says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. This is the place that we need to get to if we're going to be people that can have some answers in life. We need to really say, no, this book is primary. This is the most important thing so that I can know what God says. Then we use scripture to compare scripture. But you first have to recognize that this is the book. This is the answer. This is where we're going to get everything. More important than necessary food. But if you're new to studying the Bible, even if you've been saved a long time, you might still be new to studying the Bible. That's fine. It's better to start now than never. And some of you are very new Christians too. And so you say, where do we start? Some people say, well, start in the beginning and read through. And that might be okay. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But I might suggest starting in the book of John. The reason is because it really gives you a basis and a background, the life of Christ, why he came, the gospel is primary there. And then I'd move to Romans, and then I would move to Genesis. Genesis, very important book. You might start with Genesis, and that's fine, but I'd start with John, Romans, Genesis, Proverbs, another great book that is easily digestible, okay? And then as you read through some of these books that are more foundational and basic, then you can move on to everything else in Scripture, and you're going to learn how to build on those other truths. So you pick a book, one of those that I mentioned, or maybe just a short book. Just find a really short book, okay? And start reading that. And here's three steps on how to study the Bible. If you want to have a study time, a devotional time, I recommend something every day where you sit down and you're going through the Scripture. You say, how much do I read a day? Read as much as you need to or you want to. Read a verse read a passage. Some people read you know, several chapters. They go through the Bible in a year. It's a great, great way to do it. There's apps you can get on learning how to do that. There's audio Bibles. So you're getting ready. You're brushing your teeth. Put the Bible on. There's ways to do it to get the Word of God. Just get the Word of God. And then what do you do with that passage? What do you do with what you've read? Well, there's three steps that someone has suggested. First of all, what does the passage say? This is really simple, really basic. You're reading words. Each word is important. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus talked about this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word is important. We also want to talk about terms. So you have a word, but you also have a term. Sometimes you need to look at some of the words around the word to know what the word means, right? So we have an English word called mine. That word can have various meanings based on other words that it's around. So you can have a landmine. A landmine's very different than a gold mine, right? But it's the same word. So how do you know what the mine is? Or it might be, it's mine, right? It's mine. That's the word that we probably first speak before dada and mama. It's mine. And we determine those words based by the words that are surrounding it or a term. So words are very important. Every word is from God. This is God's book, which is miraculous because so many books, so many different authors over so much time, but they all have a beauty, a consistency, a flow that is unparalleled in literature. It's still a best-selling book in the world. Always will be, I believe. So we talk about words. We talk about terms. We talk about kind of the the atmosphere, or what's happening in this story. So how do you do that? Well, there's the five W's. There's the who, what, where, when, why. 
These are all important things. So as you go through a passage, you want to know what is it saying. Ask those questions. Maybe who wrote it? Who is it talking about? Who is it for? Who is it to? Okay. Where has this happened? Where in time? What location? What's happening? All of these things are important. And then why was it written? And then why kind of comes into the second part? But let's do that with Romans 9.3. Let's use the five W's. All right. So Romans 9.3 says, for I could wish. So who is the I? That is the writer. And by the way, when we say author of scripture, the author is God, right? And we might say the author is the person that wrote it. And that's fine too. I'm not saying that's wrong, but maybe we should call him the penman. Okay. So who's the penman? The penman is the apostle Paul. We know that from other places in Romans for I. So he's talking about himself could wish that myself, again, talking about himself, were accursed from Christ. So we also have Christ, which is Jesus, which is the Messiah. For my brethren, who's his brethren? The Jewish people. His brethren in the sense of who he came from. My kinsmen according to the flesh. So that's the who. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about Paul. We're talking about his Jewish people. And this is really amazing because what is happening in this passage? He is bearing his heart. And remember, this section is talking about God isn't done with his people, right? And people that teach that God is done with Israel and what's happening today in the modern nation of Israel is not of God, reformed theology, replacement theology, they're wrong. Why are they wrong? Because Romans 9, 10, 11 and other places say that God is not done with his earthly people, okay? They're in the land in unbelief now, and they'll come to the land in belief. But anyways, what's happening is in his heart, he's saying, I want my brethren, my kinsmen in the flesh to be saved. And he said, if possible, I would make myself accursed, which is amazing. So it's taking place in his writing the letter to the Roman Christians. And we know the time of day doesn't matter in this instance, but what year or what time in history was obviously when he was alive writing that letter. So you use those things to know what is the passage saying. And then step two is what does the passage mean? So we kind of got at the meaning here is saying, I wish that my fellow Jews would get saved. And if it were possible, I would even give up my eternal salvation. I'll spend eternity in hell so that they could be saved. Now, that's not possible, but that's amazing. And I really think that's a heart that we should all have, just a real burden. So what is this passage meaning? Well, that's pretty simple to come to that conclusion using the five W's and then the five C's. Interpretation to discover the meaning of a passage, the meaning of the Lord's main thought or idea is using the five C's. The first C is the most important. If you don't get the first C, you're not going to get anything in scripture. And by the way, people have taken verses or parts of verses, and you can say about anything you want to. And people do. Very popular teachers get off track because they use verses out of context. Context is so important. What is context? Read a few verses ahead and read a few verses afterwards. You can't ever just take one verse because you have to understand the context. Another is cross-reference. What do other scriptures say about this topic, this idea? And that's where you need to cross-reference and know what other parts of the Bible say, comparing scripture with scripture. Culture comes into play. I would put this down farther in the list like it is because sometimes we can say, well, that doesn't apply to me because it was just part of the culture of the day and it doesn't apply to me today. 
I think that's a cop-out. And I think we have to be very careful. But it is helpful to understand culture. Kind of, They did things differently back then. They really did. A lot of life was a lot different back then. And so you kind of need to understand the culture to understand betrothal, you know, the Jewish wedding, all of those types of things. It's very helpful to kind of understand the culture. So we use that C, and then we also use conclusion. So we come up with a basic conclusion. I think this is what it means. And then this is why I put this one last, is consultation. Going to other references. Be very careful about commentaries. There's very few commentaries that I'm like, this is right all the time. I actually don't think I can come up with one commentary that I say, this is right all the time. I'm not saying I'm right all the time, but I'm saying be very careful with Christian literature. But it isn't wrong to go to a concordance, let's say, and I'd recommend Strong's exhaustive concordance. You say, well, I don't want to get that deep. Well, you might need to sometimes to understand what words mean. You can get all this online. Just type in Strong's Concordance, and then it'll give you the Bible, and you can click on words, and it tells you what the Strong's meaning. There's other helps. BibleStudyTools.com is a free website that gives you Strong's. So anyways, just some things that you might use to then further understand a passage. But we need to get to its meaning, but we can't stop there. We have to go to step three. Step three is very important. What am I going to do with what I just read and understand and understand the meaning, what does it mean to me? We've got to get there. Every time we read the Bible, it's not some sort of academic exercise just so I can be more intelligent. This has to be life-changing, transformative, because it is the Word of God. So it has to come down to that meaning. How does this truth affect me in four ways? My relationship with God, my relationship with other people, so that could be a coworker, a wife, a husband, a child, a friend, a neighbor. It has to impact us in our relationships. And then if we read something where we think that God pre-selected certain people to be saved, and then we don't have a burden anymore for evangelism, Satan has won, right? Satan has won because he doesn't want us to share the gospel. So we get to the point where it has affected Paul so much, I want my my kinsmen, I want the Jewish people, I want my nation to be saved. So it's affected him. The word of God has penetrated and it is motivating him to do something for God and do something for others and do something against the devil. That's the last thing is how does it affect me? So getting to that point is the point of Bible study. Okay, and using those five W's, five C's, and then the four people, the four ways it affects us is important. So hopefully that helps you a little bit with studying the Bible. Are you concerned about the direction of America? Do you want to understand the secrets behind America's greatness? In Grace's series, The Secret to America's Greatness is just what you need. This video series offers insight into America's founding principles. Travel with Jim Scudder Jr. and his grandkids as he rediscovers America's founding principles and passes it on to the next generation. Traveling from coast to coast, he will explore the rich history and values that have shaped our great nation. You can get this series as a thank you when you give any amount to Ingrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Can You Find God in Washington, D.C.? and Is America a Christian Nation? These videos explore the spiritual foundations of our nation and offer hope for our future. 
Don't miss this incredible opportunity to learn about America's rich history and spiritual heritage. To support InGrace's mission and reach more people with the gospel, visit ingraceradio.com or call 800-78-GRACE. You can also write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's ingraceradio.com or 800-78-GRACE. Is the King James accurate? Is the KJV accurate? And that's an English translation. The question continues, when I was saved, I was reading and memorizing the NIV, which is the New International Version. Now I find that many verses are different or even missing in the NIV, which is true, and that's worrisome. Is my salvation real? Okay, is my salvation real? Let me just make a quick statement and comment on this. It's very simple. Your salvation is based on your faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. He died and he rose again. If you trust in him, you have eternal life. It's not based on what English Bible version you're reading. So if anyone teaches that, stop listening to that person. That's a huge error. That's a heresy. If they say you only can be saved with the King James, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So don't listen to that. But you say, well, why do you use the King James? Isn't that out of fashion? Aren't there a lot of archaic words and these and thous? And how do you, you know, I can't understand the these and thous. Well, I'm going to give you some things that will help you understand why we use it, why I use it, by anyone that teaches here at Quentin Road. This is all we use in our college, in our Sunday schools, everything. We use the King James. And there are some words that are archaic. There are some words that we don't use thee and thou anymore. But sometimes that's not a bad thing. Our language is devolving, all right? The words that we use uh, today are very interesting. But anyways, let me give you the reason that we here at our church and our college use the King James. It's very simple. It's based on manuscripts, okay? I'm not gonna make this very complicated. I could spend a series of sermons on this, but the modern translations, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. By the way, if you have a different version, it's cool. <laughs> you don't have to hide your Bible right now, you know. Honey, put that away. Put it under your... It's okay. But I want you to know why we use it and why I believe it's the best. Because the King James is the only version that exclusively based on what's called the received text. It's a family of manuscripts, by far the biggest group. There's over 5,000 manuscripts. We don't have any originals anymore. All of the originals from the Bible are gone. So when they first wrote it down, we don't have any of those anymore. We have copies of copies, but there are some very old ones, and we have so many different ones. We can compare them all, and they all agree 95% of the time. So using all of that in the majority text, it's called, or the received text, received text is also called the Textus Receptus Latin for received text, or TR. So that family is a family of manuscripts that the King James is based on very trustworthy for centuries, used and highly elevated. Then there's a new line of manuscripts that were, were more recent discoveries that were called the critical text. And there's two main texts that those come from. One is the Codex Vaticanus. Codex just means book, okay? So it sounds all complicated. It's not that technical, okay? You open it up and it's a book instead of a scroll, Okay, so you have those two ways of doing it. The Vaticanus was found in the Vatican. It was in 1481. It was in excellent condition, but there's some problems with that. Remember, most modern translations, all modern translations refer to or are based upon 
the critical text, which this is a very major piece. There's only a few documents that the modern versions are based on. The Vaticanus omits all but a couple chapters of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 through Genesis 46, 28 are gone. Is that a problem? That's a problem to me. Psalm 106 through 138 are not there. Matthew 16, 2 and 3 aren't there. The Pauline pastoral epistles aren't there. Hebrews 9, 14 through 13, 25 aren't there. And Revelation isn't there. It's not a good source, okay, if it's missing all of that. And then the second one that the critical text is based on is called the Sinaiticus, which is just, again, a fancy word for the book they found in a trash can at Mount Sinai. Okay, St. Catherine's Monastery in Egypt, I've been there. They found this in a rubbish pile, and they found it unreliable. There was a great defender of the Word of God, name was John Burgon. He said this about the Sinaiticus. On many occasions, 10, 20, 30, 40 words are dropped through carelessness. So again, a very unreliable, messed up copy, and that's what the modern versions are based on, mainly those two documents. So let's go and see, does this affect the Bible? So the King James, Luke 4, 4, Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Luke 4, 4 in the NIV deletes, but by every word of God, as does the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. And the New King James, it's there, but there's a footnote. The footnote says, this, but by every word of God, was omitted in the critical text. It's called the NU text. Reason it's called that based on the Greek manuscripts. So, is the New King James okay by causing doubt that this line really shouldn't be there or wasn't in the oldest and best manuscripts? My friends, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's a pretty important part to be missing. And if you have those versions, that is not there. Just, that's why we use it, okay? It's manuscript-based. That's my main argument, but there's other reasons that I love it. So that's why we use it. But you can get saved by any translation of the Bible as long as you know that God came and Jesus died and rose again. And if you'll trust in him, you'll have eternal life. That's the gospel and that's how you're saved. And we'll answer more of your Bible questions tomorrow. Hopefully, we were able to do justice to the questions that were asked today and the answers were biblical. Tomorrow, we are uh, going to cover a question. The Bible says for women to be silent in the church. Does that mean that they can't say amen? You know, things like that. So we're going to talk about that. Another question was Eve was deceived. Adam was not. Why did he eat the fruit? Very, very good Bible questions. And um, so anyways, we'll, we'll cover these and more tomorrow in our answers series. And I hope you're enjoying hearing answers to your Bible questions. And we also are excited because we have a series coming up this week on the Friday edition of In Grace, The Secret to America's Greatness. And I would love for you to get this brand new video. Uh, it's a two-part series where I take my grandkids to show them that America is a great nation and why. And we eventually, uh, we go all to all sorts of places like Pikes Peak and the Grand Canyon and the, the Redwoods in California. But we end up in Baltimore and Washington, D.C. because I wanted to show my grandkids the foundation of our nation is God. 
And so I think you'll enjoy this series, The Secret to America's Greatness, your gift for any gift to Ingrace this month. If your gift can be $35 or more, we're going to send you two more powerful videos that deal with a lot of these same issues. One is can you find God in Washington, D.C.? And the other one, America's Christian History. And so you're going to really be blessed by getting these three videos. You can get them by calling us, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, if it's after hours, leave a voicemail, or go anytime to our website, ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com, or you can also write to us at ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Rediscover America's founding principles with Jim Scudder Jr. as he embarks on a cross-country journey in Ingrace's new video series, The Secret to America's Greatness. Give any amount to Ingrace and receive this series. When you support Ingrace's mission to spread the gospel with a gift of $35 or more, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.